Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here with us to praise the Lord, to hear from his word. And like I say every week, it's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand together and sing. Thank 
Coronado, this is a great, 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 great day. It's great because I was reading in my private devotions this morning about the Levitical offerings and all of the things that had to be done by the priests and by anyone who sinned and by anyone who found out they sinned after they sinned, didn't realize it was a sin, all that kind of, I mean, everything. And I, I thought, thank the Lord he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins. He shed his blood. So I don't have to do all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that people thought about, you know, did, did we get it all right? Did we do it all right? I, I would be thinking that for sure. So it's a great day because the blood of Christ forgives us of all unrighteousness and makes us clean. It's also a great day because it's the Lord's day. It's an opportunity to be able to worship him and serve him. It's also a great day because Kim Schmidt is going to follow her Lord in believer's baptism. And her husband's here and her son and two of her daughters. I think one other one's not here. Is one other watching? Hey, who's watching? What's his name? Hey, Noah, how are you, buddy? Wish you were here. All right. And, and then also Brandon Parker in the very back is going to follow his Lord and Believer's baptism. So we're glad for that, Brandon. What a great day it is. But it's a sad day. It's a sad day because this guy right here, does he look guilty? Did you see that face? He's getting ready to move, and he's going to be going to what church? La Jolla Presbyterian Church. So I was going to argue with them about doing that, but since it's a Presbyterian church, it's probably predestinated. <laughs> Can't argue with God about stuff like that. So we're going to miss you, Fed. We appreciate you. Love you in the Lord. And you know, if you ever get your heart right, come on back. <laughs> and welcome to everybody else. If you're a first time... <laughs> Do what? <laughs> That's good. That'd be okay with me. All right. So if you're a first-time guest, first-time visitor, and the seat backs in front of you is a connection card. I usually bring on up here, but I forgot. It's about so long and about that big, and we'd love to have you fill that out. We'll send you a gift card. Uh, I'm going to quit using Starbucks after we use up the ones we've got. So some of their politics drive me batty. And so uh, they can have their own politics. That's okay, but uh, I want to support it. Pardon? Coffee company. Is that the one by the landing? No, it's way downtown. Well, you own part of interest in that or what? 
Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll get something going. So, But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you have a special need of some kind, maybe a physical problem, maybe spiritual issue, maybe marriage thing, maybe I don't know what, but God knows exactly what it is. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, would you raise your hand up real high, hold it up for just a moment, and there are probably 20 or 20... 25 maybe hands up altogether. Our Father, you know each of our needs, Lord. Every, every person here has some kind of need. Maybe ours is not as pressing as the person next to us. Maybe ours is not as important even as the one next to us. Maybe some of our problems are really just preferences that we don't have the way we would like to have them. But Father, you are a sovereign God, and you've promised to give us our needs. You've promised to provide our needs. And so we thank you for doing that. We thank you for this place to worship you. We thank you for each person who's here, for those who are visiting, for those who attend all the time, for those who are members. Lord, we thank you for these two who are going to follow you in believer's baptism today. We pray, God, that this would be a whole uh, new walk for them as they make that public profession by way of baptism. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to call you our Father, and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So I want to share with you today, we're going to be preaching on the centurion who was a military character in Bible days under Rome. And I am so thankful uh, for being able to have the privilege of pastoring in a military community for these last 50 some years. I appreciate that so much. Uh, and then we're going to have a military meal right afterwards on the patio for all of you guys and gals who are active duty. You're invited for a free lunch. There is such a thing as a free lunch. It's at First Baptist Church. It's for military. You're invited. Uh, Bible studies this week, Tuesday, uh, Navigators, and Wednesday, uh, Bible study fellowship in the morning, and Men of Resolution in the evening, Thursday, Nancy Trotter's Bible study, and then Thursday night, David Waitley's Bible study right here at the church. Next Sunday, be preaching on the widow's son in our Life of Christ study, kind of a chronological study, as much as we possibly can. The four Gospels are all inspired. Each one is, is as important and as inspired as the other one, but they, they don't necessarily all match up exactly. They, don't, they tell the story of Christ and his public ministry from different perspectives, and some of them include certain miracles and certain activities and events that others don't include. So as best I can, trying to put together a chronological study for you. We, we preached most of last year on it, and we broke for... Uh, Christmas and for January for stewardship or management, uh, and now we're back on to it today, the Lord willing. Ladies' Retreat, March 1st through 3rd. Jamie Woods is the speaker. Register today. It's your last day. It's $192, but the church is uh, subsidizing or helping pay $42 of that, so your part would be $150. Money is due. Register today at the table. Annabelle will be out there after the service. March the 9th, uh, I love passing these out because every time I give one of these out about the Franklin Graham meeting in Chula Vista on March the 9th, I say, here, I want to give you the boot. And so <laughs> I give them the boot. But it's a God Loves You Frontier Tour, emphasis on to be Spanish and English both. It's going to be a great thing over at Chula Vista Amphitheater uh, called North Island Amphitheater, I believe, right now. But <clears throat> these are on the back table Take as many as you would like, pass them out. They're not going to be any good after March the 9th, so uh, go ahead and take those. And then, um, let me see, what else? Uh, one other thing, on the back table by the sound booth right there in the corner, 
we have some of these uh, He Has Risen Easter invitations. So they're in packets of 10. So if you would please take a packet uh, and, and find some friends. Dan, if you take a packet of 10, I, if you can get one friend uh, located, that'd be great. I'm sure your wife has at least nine, uh, so that'll take care of that packet. But uh, go ahead and pick those up if you'll pass them out anytime between now and Easter, and that would be great. Now, I'm going to ask Dave uh, Preston, David Preston, to come and share with us. He just got back from uh, Europe, from being over in Spain. So uh, would you go? Oh, wait a minute. Do we have a video on the, on the uh, we do. Let's do the Franklin video first. My, my, my apologies. Yeah, there you, I'm just used to calling you down. I don't know. God loves you. Dios te ama. The people of the border need to know that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood for each and every one. All right, that's, the, that's March the 9th. Hope you'll be there at 5 p.m. Be there a little early, get seating. And Dave? David? Now. <laughs> and you got, the, you got the microphone and tell them what to do up there in the sound booth. I see the age is kind of kicking in, so I'll, uh, I'll be good. Uh, all right, so first off, I want to say thank you to FBC. We raised uh, $3,000 within a week for you to send a missionary over to the Basque Country. It's a region within uh, Spain. They don't like to be called Spanish or French. They're Basque people. So thankfully, uh, we got to do it, and it's all this church that supported it. I stood out there the first day, and I was just so touched by all the people that were generous and giving and supportive and, and just the cause and what it's about and just trying to keep it alive. So thank you so much. And, and by the way, we actually went over $3,000. And so a lot of that money that was over, and some of the families knew that we were already exceeded our, 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 uh, our, our limit or what we were going for, we were able to uh, apply that to this summer program. So again, thank you. So that was a huge blessing. Real quick uh, update on what the trip was like. It was a week and a half of interacting with a lot of Bass students and a lot of Bass families. Uh, I was able to visit three schools, and uh, while visiting these schools, we were able to uh, share with the students what this program's all about, Summer in USAA, an opportunity for them to come to the United States, to stay with a, a, a Christian family, to experience church life, uh, what's life like for a Christian family in the United States, and at the same time be able to uh, enjoy the beautifulness of California. We're going to be going to Yosemite this year. We're going to be going to the Grand Canyon. We're going to be going all around San Diego and doing a lot of great things. We're going to have a really cool Bible program set up for them while they're here for the month. So I'm really excited about that and be able to share that and invite these kids and to see how the, uh, many of them are really enthusiastic about wanting to attend. So that was huge. And on top of that, I was able to go to a church for two Sundays. You'd be happy. It was a Baptist church, so it was pretty cool. So the name of the church was Baidea. That's in Basque, that means the way. And it was just so comforting to know that in a region like 
uh, where we were at with, within the Basque country. And it's not very religious in the sense how we view it. There's, this, there's not a bunch of churches everywhere, but uh, it was a blessing to know that there was a church there that was committed to the Bible and, and to uh, um, lifting up Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So definitely a strong Bible church there. And hopefully maybe, Pastor, if you get to go next year, um, I, I look forward to introducing you to the, uh, the church family there and the pastor. Also, I was able to meet with three missionary families. Uh, the Coons, they're a family that has an English school there. And so they're definitely, while they're there, they're also giving back as much as possible by teaching English. And that was a blessing to be with Jason and his wife and, and uh, to see what they're doing. And there was the Wong family. They actually uh, created a coffee shop. And on top of that, also an English school. And then there was a, a family, the Tards. What they're doing, they're building a retreat out in the middle of the Basque country in the beautiful hills. And they're trying to build a Christian retreat for uh, the Christian Basque families out there and those who are seeking to be um, looking for the truth and hopefully be a missionary opportunity. Now, next slide real quick. Uh, and behind me, by the way, was a group of kids that I ministered to. And one of the girls I ministered to or got to meet was a girl named Insa. She was one of the highlights of the trip. And Insa, one thing that was really cool, she's a Bass student uh, that's taking part of the Summer USAA program, and she actually uh, has done it for two years already. And she comes back, and now she's already started a Bible study with four or five other girls with the Kuhn family. So it's a blessing what this program does. You're not only a missionary to the kids, but you're a missionary to their families. And behind me is a, is a picture of eight other students that will be coming here in, in the summer. Uh, and I will be in charge, and I'll be their coordinator uh, I told them I'll be their father, their mom, and their brother, and their uncle, and everything like that. So it's definitely going to be a time where I get to have a part in their lives, but the families that they're going to be part of, that's the key part. So my ask today, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, we're looking for five host families in Coronado and five in Imperial Beach or in the South Bay area. So I'll be out there at the end, uh, at the end of church, and if you, know, if you have any questions, please feel free. Come up to me and ask me anything you want about this program, but uh, I really hope that we get at least five from this church, if not more. Um, I'm already hosting, uh, the Machins are hosting, and perhaps a few other families, Lord willing, will be hosting, and then IB, I already have two, uh, one family hosting. So right now, we have three families hosting out of the seven we need. And I'll stop talking, and I'll show you a real short clip of an introduction to these eight students that will be coming here uh, in the summer uh, of this year. Go for it, Nick. Hi, my name is Ayo. And how old are you? Sweet. What's your favorite sport? Uh, football. Football. Alright. Hello? Who Hi, my name is Rocio. And how old are you? Seventeen. And what's your favorite sport? Basketball. What kind of food do you like? Pasta. Oh, pasta. Alright. Hey, what's your name? Hello, my name is Loria. What? Loria. Okay. How old are you? Uh, Sixteen. Oh, nice. And what's your favorite sport? Climb. You like to climb. What's your favorite movie? You don't know? I love that movie. You ready? Hi, I'm Marin. And how old are you? 16. And what's your favorite sport? Um, I go to the gym. You go to the gym, so you're buff. Sweet. Alright, what's your name? Laida. And how old are you? 16. And your favorite sport is what? Basketball, right? Yeah. Boom, basketball. And what's your favorite movie? La Sociedad. La Sociedad. I like that. Okay. Hi, I'm Lucia. And how old are you? 16. And what's your favorite sport? Running. And what do you like? Do you like to shop? Yeah, I love You it. love shopping? Yeah. Sweet. What's your name? Igor. How old are you? Hey, 17. And what's your favorite sport? Soccer. And what's your favorite movie and food? Interstellar and pizza. Oh, Interstellar. I got that. Hey, what's up? What's your name? Marquez. And how old are you? 15. And what's your favorite movie? I know. Why is that guy talking right here? What's your name? All right. Boom. All right, man. Say peace out. Huh? Say adios. Adios.
All right, sorry, the video quality was uh, a little, little choppy, but still overall, if you want to get to see some of those students on your own, I, got, I saved those clips. They made those videos to the potential host families, and Lord willing, this church will be uh, one of the leading supporters like they were last year in this. And again, thank you. Uh, God bless you all, especially all those who supported and pastor, thank you for all you do. Absolutely, David. So let's give him a hand. All right, appreciate that presentation. Someone asked, what does SUSA stand for? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's summer. USA, summer in the USA. And these Basque students, as David mentioned, there's not a huge Christian influence in that whole region. And so they come over here and stay with the Christian family for a month. And then they'll have, acti- they'll have all kinds of activities planned, uh, Sousa will. Uh, but it's your opportunity to host them so that they are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they go back, hopefully, a born-again child of God on the way to heaven, and then they're, they're, they hook them up with people like the Kuhn family uh, who will then uh, teach them and disciple them and train them uh, in the Christian walk. So uh, thank you, David, for doing that. Thank you for that presentation. I hope maybe God's touching some of your hearts to be a host family. Uh, it'll be in June or July? All of July. And again, uh, there will be activities they plan. You don't have to entertain them. Uh, they'll just be an extra mouth to feed at your table and someone to run around every once in a while to the other activities. So let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord in song.
team know you appreciate them this morning. Thank you so much. You're going to be missed, buddy. You will be. You may be seated, and I'm going to ask our young men and young ladies before they go to their class to come down to the front, if you would, please. Young guys and young gals, come on down here. While they're coming, how many of us have the Word of God, the Sword of the Spirit, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. How many sang that song when you were growing up, huh? Yeah. All right. Good deal. All right. We're going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 8, because they'll be there in just a few moments after I talk to the kiddos here. Matthew chapter 8, and also another text, uh, Luke chapter 7. So if you'll turn there. Boys and girls, how many of you know what faith is? Do you know what faith is? Yeah. Can tell me what faith is? Yeah. Faith is something you believe in God. Oh, my goodness. Love it. Love it. Faith is believing. It's believing in God. Now, sometimes people say, well, they can't have faith because they have to prove something exists. And if they can't prove it exists by seeing it, touching it, feeling it, or whatever else, then they really don't know if it really is real. But faith, everybody exercises faith every single day. Did you know that? Not all all of them exercise faith in God, but they all exercise faith. How many of you turn on a light switch? You, just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, how many of you eat food? Okay, how many of you sleep at night? All right, do you realize you do all of those things and everybody out here does all of those things by faith? Because if you didn't believe by faith, the light would come on, you wouldn't flip a switch. What would be the point? And if you didn't believe that your body's going to get stronger by eating good food, you wouldn't eat. And if you didn't believe you were ever going to wake up, if you went to sleep, you would never go to sleep. Everything, every, I mean, so many things that people do is by faith. And you know what? A lot of times, most of the times, those things work. But there, has there ever been a time when you turned a light switch on, but the light didn't come on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes the things we have faith in don't work. But guess what? Most of the time, the things we have faith in work. And you know what? When we have faith in God, he always, always, always works. And so I want you to always trust him. I want you to put your faith in God. I want you to put your faith in the word of God, the Bible. And I want you to make sure that you always trust him. I'm going to preach to these, your moms and dads and everybody about the faith that a, a soldier had that was so strong that he's, in the, he's recorded in the word of God. And his servant, someone he loved very much, got healed in fact, he was very, very sick and got healed. So I want to preach about that. But here's the way you get saved, too. Here's the way you become a Christian, by grace through faith. 
the faith in, in the Son of God who died for us on the cross. So let's bow our heads in prayer, okay? Everybody bow your head just for a moment, and let's pray. Head bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you for these young men and young ladies. Pray your blessings upon them, Father. I pray that you would give them the gift of faith to be able to trust the truth, the things that are true, and to be able to decide the things that are false and not put their faith in the wrong things. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and go to your class, okay, by faith that your teacher's going to be there. And that they're going to teach you something good. So I know they are. All right. Matthew chapter 8 in 2023 began a comprehensive study on the life of Christ. It was my desire to go through the Gospels. And I didn't realize how long it was going to take to do that. Naive me. I've only been preaching for 54 years. So, uh, But uh, our goal was to construct a sequence of events that most of the Gospels agreed on in, in the way of chronology. They're all true, as I said before, but the chronology varies a little bit depending on which Gospel you're reading. Basically, Matthew, Mark, and Luke agree on everything. They're the synoptic gospels, called the synoptic gospels. John has his own viewpoint of things, uh, So, uh, but that's a whole other lesson. So I kind of go by the Harmony of the Gospels by A.T. Robertson in the way of putting things in order. So last November 19th, I concluded a study on the Sermon on the Mount. I had no idea the Sermon on the Mount was going to be in 12 parts until I got, and I actually rushed it to get it done in 12 parts. And then we went ahead into Christmas season, and then January, as we, we talked about being good managers and stewards of what God has given to us. So today we pick up where we left off. Uh, the date is approximately uh, the summer or the, or the fall of 31 AD, and the place is Capernaum. So we have a map here, and I never can make this work the first time. So let's just see the map. Next slide. Uh, next slide. Okay, so up here is Capernaum. Uh, this is in Galilee. Capernaum becomes the headquarters of Jesus' ministry for the most part. A lot of his uh, miracles were performed there. A lot of the teaching was done there. Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. There's Tiberias right there. Um, also called the Sea of Chenoweth. Also called uh, the fourth name is what? Uh, the Sea of Gennesaret. So it had four different names, uh, that all referring to that same body of water, depending on who named it where and where someone lived, they might call it by a specific name. Now, why in the world would they have so many different names? I don't know. Uh, but I do know this. In 2009, I did a cross-country motorcycle ride uh, from the Vietnam Memorial Wall all the way to L.A., and, every, and I had a guy, I don't know if he's watching, Steve, if you're watching, hey, uh, he had just recently become a Christian, and he, was, uh, he had a few rough edges, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was the Holy Spirit's job to knock off those rough edges, and so we were riding, we'd ride every day, at the, at the end of the day, we'd ride maybe two, three, three or four hundred miles, uh, and we'd stop at some uh, event for, planned for Vietnam veterans, and then we would, I'd make a phone call to my wife. And I didn't realize, but I would call her and I'd say, hey, Patsy, this is, uh, you, know, you know, I love you, I miss you, and I got all gooey and stuff. And then next night I'd call, hey, Pat, this is, it's me calling. And the next night I'd say, Trish, hey, Trish, it's me. And after about the fourth night, he said, how many women are you calling? Um, <clears throat> just one. 
one woman, lots of different names. This is one sea, one lake. It's got lots of different names, but it's all the same thing. And so the text today in Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 7, uh, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, again, a city in, the, in Galilee, headquarters for his ministry, there came unto him a centurion, commander of a 100 men in the Roman army. This is not just nobody. This is somebody in the Roman army beseeching him, which means urgently, fervently seeking him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. My son is paralyzed or my, my servant rather is paralyzed. He is being grievously tormented or greatly afflicted in pain. And Jesus said to this centurion, I will come and heal him. The centurion had a very unique answer. Well, a unique answer. My English teacher said you can't have degrees of unique. It's either unique or it's not. So it was a unique answer. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I don't measure up that you would come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority. The Greek word exousia, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And I say to this other man, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, this is the only time this is ever found in the Word of God. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. The only time we find in the entire Word of God where Jesus marveled. He was struck with admiration and astonishment. And he said unto them that followed, verily, or truly, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith from, or firm persuasion, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west. He's, he's saying this centurion is typical or symbolic of the paradigm of those outside of Judaism who are going to come to me. You and I, as Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, uh, you've come from outside the Jewish uh, nationality of people. And so uh, we, we, he said that many will come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs in the kingdom of heaven. But by way of contrast, the children of the kingdom, those who were of the covenant people, those who were Israelis, those who were Jews, but who did not believe shall be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And listen to this. In that same hour, um, his servant was healed. And so now Luke chapter 7 gives a parallel passage, but supplies a little bit, different, a little bit more information. Now, when he, Jesus, had ended all of his sayings in the audience of his people, he entered into Capernaum, same town, same place, same location, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear, honored, esteemed, and loved, endured his child, came unto him, or rather unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him, begging him that he would come and heal his servants. So now this is a little bit different information. He says uh, that, that, that Jesus was being sought out by the Jewish elders now who had gone on behalf of the centurion. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy. Isn't it interesting? The centurion says, I'm not worthy. He really knew who he was. I have to say, I'm not worthy to stand in this pulpit. I'm not worthy to preach the gospel. I am not worthy to do ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not worthy. But God says, I am, and called me, and forgave me, and cleansed me, and made me able then to do what he's called me to do. 
But the centurion recognized he was unworthy, while the Jewish elders said he is worthy. In Matthew's account, the centurion says no, but here the elders say yes. For, he's worthy for, uh, for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation. Here's why he's worthy. He's built a synagogue. Centurions were well paid and were often benefactors in the lands where they were occupying to try to win favor from the people. So he built a, he built a uh, synagogue for them. The soldier had endured himself to the Jewish people and to the Jewish elders. And then went Jesus unto them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy. Here he's saying the same thing now he said in Matthew's account. I am not worthy that you should enter my roof. And the Jews, thinking he was, he said, no, I'm not. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And he says the same thing, for I have soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and they go, and I say to the other, come, they come. I say, do this, to, and, and they do it. Uh, and so Jesus was, was marveled. He, was, he aston was astonished at him, and he turned about and said, I've not found so great a faith, not in all of Israel. And they were sent, returning to the house, and found the servant whole, healthy, physically well, that had been sick. So the first thing we see here, obviously, is great faith. Great faith on the part of the centurion. There are many examples in the Bible, far too many, uh, that, that indicate weak faith, right? All kinds of people in the Bible. Jonah indicates a weak faith. Uh, he was called to go to Nineveh, that wicked city, and cry out against it. He said, he, I don't want to go there. I know what they do to the prophets of God. So he didn't go. Uh, Peter, fishing at Jesus' command after catching nothing, he'd fished all night long, didn't catch a minnow, didn't catch anything. That's the kind of fishing I do. I don't catch a thing. The hook gets wet, the hook gets rusty, the little poor bait on there dies off, and, and all the fish in the sea go by and look at it and say, that's the preachers, we're not biting that one. Uh, absolutely not. So Peter said, look, Lord, we've tried, we've fished all night, nevertheless, at your word, uh, we'll go ahead and do it. And then they caught a great draft of fish. The disciples in the boat in a storm. Well, I have never been in a boat in a storm. I've been in a boat out there somewhere Somewhere, the bay stops and the ocean starts. I, I, there's probably a dotted line somewhere on some map. Wherever that is, when I get across it, I've got a 50-50 chance of becoming very nauseous. <laughs> and, and, and when I'm not sick, I'm anticipating that I might get sick, which kind of takes away a lot of the fun. So, uh, so I can kind of understand weak faith in a boat in a storm. Uh, then Peter again walking on the water. Although, I've got to tell you, uh, when Jesus appears to them and Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples are in the boat and, and, and Jesus said, come, come on, come, come to me. And, and Peter's the only one who got out of the boat. Now we, can, we can ding on him for not having good faith because he, he started sinking, but he's the only one that got out of the boat. I don't know about you, the only time I walk on water is when I'm taking a shower. That's the only time. He walked on the water, took a few steps, and then started sinking because he started looking at the sea around him, but he was, he was weak. Another, as a man who was a lunatic, I, I love, <laughs> I don't know why I like that verse. Uh, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And he, sa he said to the Lord, God, help my son, he's a lunatic. Well, if you've had a son, you probably have said that. So I'm sure you haven't ever said that, Kim, but others have said uh, Probably not you either, Shira. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and so his, he, had, he, he was just being honest. He said, Lord, I have faith, 
but help my unbelief. Have you ever prayed that? I sure have. Lord, I believe. I know you can do anything, but I don't see how this is going to work out. But Lord, do it. I trust you. And Peter, again, fearful at Jesus' arrest uh, and, and, and didn't want to admit. And three times he denied the Lord and even cursed in denying the Lord. Thomas doubted when he was in the upper room. Uh, the first time he wasn't there. And Jesus appeared to the disciples, and the disciples told him about Jesus' appearance, and he said, I don't, I don't believe you. And so he was there, and Jesus shows him the nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side, and then he did believe. He said, my Lord and my God. But there's only one example, as I said before, only one example of Jesus expressing amazement at the account of faith someone had, and this was in behalf of a Gentile, a centurion, an officer in the Roman army. In Luke chapter 7, verse 7, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Let me ask you something this morning, folks, First Baptist Church. Do you have great faith? Do you exercise great faith? And be careful what your faith is based on. Absolutely. Make sure it's the right thing. This Don't take what comes out of this mouth as the gospel truth if it doesn't agree with what is written down here. I've 54 years of preaching, and I've, I've only had one person ever give me an example of what they said was a contradiction in the Word of God. Most of the time, it's, don't you know I have books full of what contradictions written by men? Uh, well, you know, I, put my, I base my faith on it. Can you show me one? I don't, need, I don't need 100 of them. I just need one. I only had one person in 54 years who said, and he showed me where the maniac of Gadara came out and, and in one of the other Gospels, it says there were two that were insane in, in, the, in Gadara. I said, well, that's not really a contradiction. One of them had interaction with Jesus. The other one didn't. There were two guys. One of them talked to the Lord. Uh, so, so make sure what your faith is based on and base it on the Word of God. Secondly, so great faith is seen here by this centurion. Great humility is also seen, which is probably not something a lot of centurions displayed. These were, again, over 100 men. So Jesus went with them, the Jewish elders who were interceding for the centurion. But just before they arrived at the house, the officers sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble. Don't worry yourself by coming to my home. I can't bring you under my roof. I'm not worthy. I'm not sufficient. I'm not adequate. I'm not competent. I'm not deserving of such an honor. I am not worthy to come meet you. He didn't feel worthy, and the Jews thought he was. So... A centurion would have 100 men under him. There would be six centurions in each Roman cohort, and then there would be 10 cohorts in a legion. So we're talking 6,000 men, 6,000 men. And, and he was one of those who was in charge of 100 of them. So his authority was actually very extensive. No doubt he asserted himself often on the battlefield because the centurions would be out on the battlefield along with their men. They didn't just hide behind uh, you know, the, the lines, the, the enemy lines. They would go to battle uh, along with their men. They would often lead their men and, and make spontaneous decisions according to each given situation. So this is the highest designation or, or office that a, an ordinary soldier could ever achieve. They rose to the ranks because of their experience and their knowledge, but he didn't let it go to his head. There's a great lesson here for us. We have great faith. Do we have great humility? 
He had, he had achieved success in his career, and yet he was humble. Did you know that pride is one of the things that God hates? God, there are not a lot of things in the Bible that God says he hates, but pride is one of them. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. And the first one listed is a proud look. I was, telling, I was talking to some guys out there, and I said, if I, if I go like this, the little flabby part of my neck goes away. But then I look kind of arrogant. God hates a proud look, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren. Now, the first five things listed there are listed in order of body parts and set in sequence from the head to the feet in general. So the, it talks about the eyes, the tongue, the hands, the heart, the feet. And the, the last two things that God hates here are specific types of people, a false witness and a troublemaker. So we see this, this progression of what God hates. And at the very top of the list is a proud look. Haughty eyes are eyes lifted up in arrogance. I guess, yeah, looking down people's nose at whomever else is around the arrogant spirit can vault itself against all people and, it, and against God oftentimes. So why do we assume? Let me ask you this. People get proud because of what they do. Why is it we get proud of what we do that works out, but when things don't work out, we blame God? How does that work? Well, look what I did. I'm a self-made man. I'm, I, I did this. I accomplished that. I did something else. And, oh, that fell apart. You know what? If so-and-so hadn't messed with it, it wouldn't have fallen apart. If God had been a real, really there, then this wouldn't have messed up. It, things wouldn't have gone that way. Why do we assume credit for things that go well, but always blame God for things when they don't go well? Don't you know you live in a broken world? Of course you do. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. What did I say? To good people. I'm going to move on. I don't know what I said. but <laughs> James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And by the way, just an aside here, don't ask God to humble you. That's a dangerous thing. Humble yourself before God. Realize that we are nothing without him. We're not worthy of him or of his acts of love toward us, pure mercy. So are you humble? And are you proud of that fact that you're humble? <laughs> that doesn't work either. Great faith, great humility. Number three, great authority. The Greek word used twice here is exousia, which means permission, authority, the right, the liberty, the power to do something. And it's a combination of two Greek words that have the idea of right and might. So he was a powerful individual. He had the right by the Roman government, and he had the might behind him. And here was a soldier who understood chain of command. You folks in the Navy understand chain of command. Folks in the Navy or any military uh, understand uh, the commander-in-chief. And he was under military authority, and he exercised military authority. And he knew that Jesus was the ultimate authority. 
He knew there was none higher, not Satan, not Rome, not himself, no one, nothing else other than the, the Lord whom he implored on behalf of his servant. He believed Jesus' authority knew absolutely no bounds. So who in your life has permission and power to work in your life? Right there, standing there singing that last song, I was praying, God, please don't let me be a hindrance to what needs to be said. Don't let my words mess the truth of the word of God up. Holy Spirit, please bring, I can't convict anybody. I wish I could. I wish I could come up and, sure, I'm going I'm to tell you this. And she'd fall to the floor and on her knees in submission. Oh, preacher, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Repent. Not that she needs to repent of anything. I'm just using that as an illustration. I can't convict anybody. It's the word of God and the spirit of God that convicts us, shows us our need, shows us the way. Who has the permission, the power to work in your life? For me, God does through his son, through his spirit. Last point is this, great evidence of great faith. The centurion sought out Christ. How did he even know about him? Maybe he heard him teach. Maybe in, in marching through the streets, maybe he was there or, or nearby. Maybe he was by the Sermon on the Mount, there prepared in case some kind of revolution broke out against the Roman government. Maybe he was uh, by the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. Maybe he was close by and heard with his own ears. And, and maybe the Holy Spirit of God, when he heard the Son of God preaching the Word of God, maybe then God convicted his heart, the centurion's heart. Or maybe he heard about him, and maybe he knew that the Jews were expecting a Messiah, and maybe he understood this has got to be him. Maybe he knew somebody who had been healed because some other, uh, other miracles had taken place in, in and about Capernaum. Maybe he knew somebody had been raised from the dead. That's what we're going to talk about next week. By the way, uh, miracle workers, so-called miracle workers today, uh, they heal of things you can't necessarily see, but they, they don't so much raise the dead that I know of. I don't know if any healers. I, I believe God's the healer, but I don't, I don't believe so much in healers. That's another subject for another time. God doesn't always heal, right? Doesn't always heal. Doesn't always choose to. Maybe, maybe whatever it was, it made him search out Jesus Christ of, of Nazareth. And, and I wonder, are you seeking him out today? Are you trying to find out if he is who he says he is? Are you open to the Holy Spirit impressing upon you through the word of God what you need to know in order to know God, in order to know Christ, in order to have the guilt and the shame and the sin lifted from off your shoulders? This centurion supported the work of God through Judaism. He built a synagogue. He put his money where his heart was, put his time and effort into it. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There are other ways to support the work of God. We've got guys up there uh, working in the, in the sound booth. We've got teachers right now, men and women, teaching the, the boys and girls. We've got uh, greeters who, who take turns rotating out there. We've got people who come up and do maintenance items uh, periodically. We've got trustees who oversee the business parts of, of the corporation that have to be taken care of legally. Uh, we, we all have parts to do. Uh, 
and putting in time and effort and testimony and faithfulness and commitment. Let me ask you just one question here by way of application. What is it you're doing to help build the work of God in the community here called Coronado? Or in La Jolla? I'm bitter. The centurion was a man of humility too. Arrogant people never see God. Arrogant people think they can do it all on their own. The proud won't admit their need. The centurion believed in helping others. He wasn't there asking God, asking Jesus for something for himself. He was there asking for his servant. He was concerned about others. Christmas Eve, 1910. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was an invalid near the end of his life. It was impossible for him to attend the Army's annual convention for the first time ever. Someone near the general suggested that Booth send a telegram to read at the opening of the convention to the many Salvation Army soldiers in attendance as an encouragement to their many hours of labor serving others throughout the holidays and the cold winter months. Booth agreed. Funds were limited and telegrams charged by the word. So to ensure as much money as possible would go to help the needy, General Booth decided to send a one-word message. He searched through his mind, reviewed his years of ministry, seeking the one word that would summarize his life, the mission of the army, and encourage soldiers to continue on. When the thousands of delegates met, the moderator announced that Booth could not be present due to failing health, Gloom and pessimism swept through the convention floor until the moderator announced that Booth had sent a telegram to be read at the start of the first session. He opened the message and read just one word, others. Others. Signed, General Booth. A poem that I heard the first time probably 50 years ago. I've loved, Lord, help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to raise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I may live like thee. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Great faith. Great humility. Great evidence of faith, great authority, all of them found in these two passages. Again, it's not often that Jesus responded with amazement. If you're from the South, and if he were leading a, a translation by a Southerner, he might well put there, Jesus said, well, I never. Well, I never. But he did hear. Great faith goes hand in hand with great miracles. So how's your faith today? If you're not sure that heaven's your home, if you're not sure that your faith has been put in Jesus Christ, but you'd like to do that today, 
with every head bowed, every eye closed, you can pray a simple prayer in your heart. Don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what's on your mind and on your heart all the time. So would you pray something like this if this is your desire? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that one of these days I'm going to pass away. It's not a pleasant thought, but I know it's going to happen. And when that time comes, I want to be with you forever and with loved ones who put their faith in you forever. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross and after three days rose again from the dead. I believe the scripture that says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right now, Lord, as best I know how, I call upon you. Save my never-dying soul. God, give me faith. I need it. I, I'm kind of like the man who says, I have faith, but I have belief, but I help my unbelief. I'm sincere. Be my Savior today. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand up? Just hold it. I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. I won't tackle you. Just, just hold your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? How's your faith? How's your humility? God has the ability to humble us, but hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully we'll humble ourselves before God. Do we care about others? like this centurion cared about his servant. Do you know the only way we can serve God is by serving people? God doesn't need a meal from us, but some people do. God doesn't need, he doesn't need a hug from us, but some people do. God doesn't need healing, but some people do. Are we concerned about others? Serving God is loving people and serving them in his name. Father, bless, we pray, this congregation. God, work in our lives and our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for every person who's here. God bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you do us a favor? Would you stand together? Praise team's going to sing one or maybe two verses. If you've ever seen a Billy Graham crusade or a Franklin Graham crusade, at the end, they give the opportunity for people to come and to make some kind of a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you need to come down here and just kneel at this altar and pray. Maybe you need to come and receive Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you need to come and say, I want to be a member of the church, or I'd like to be baptized like these folks are going to be baptized today. Whatever it is that you want to do, that you need to do today, please take care of it. This business is holy business right now. So we'll sing a verse, maybe two. You come ahead right now.
ask you to be seated once again for just a couple of moments. One of the highlights, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in church work is when people say, you know what, I believe and I, I'm trusting Christ and I want to let that be known publicly. I kind of say it's, it's kind of like a, a person who walks into a recruiting office and they take the oath of office and they become uh, a sailor or a soldier or whatever. Uh, then they go get a uniform somewhere and they put it on, and when they put the uniform on, everybody knows that they're a sailor or a soldier or whatever. Uh, so I'm so thankful for these who are going to follow their Lord and believers' baptism. I'm going to ask uh, Brandon Parker to come first, if you would, sir. Brandon says it's much too hot in here, in the water. <laughs> uh, he's weird. So... Brandon, have you trusted Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? Yes. It was your in-laws that led you to Christ. Is that correct? Yes. All right. I am so thankful for that. It's so important. The families that we marry into, in addition to the families that we come from, uh, have a tremendous input. And because it's your profession of faith that you've received Christ as your personal Savior, I then baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Okay, that was close. That was close. I almost had to stretch this baptistry here. And next is Kim Schmidt. Kim, God bless you. Stand right here. Face that way. Kim, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. All right. It's my pleasure to be able to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bearing the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Okay, Noah, did you see that? <laughs> All right. Thank you, uh, Kim's family, for being here. Thank you, uh, Brandon's wife, for being here. Flew down from where? Oh, oh, you, oh, you drove down. That's a long drive. San Luis Obispo. So, yeah, all right. Well, thank you for doing that, and thank you all for being here this morning. It's been great to have you in the house of the Lord. I hope you'll come back and be with us if you're a first-time visitor. Uh, and just, Fred, if you ever, like I said, get right with God, come on back. <laughs> I'm going to ask that, uh, Bo, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, please, this morning? Let's stand together.
Amen. Pick up the invitations to the uh, Easter service, to the March 9th event, and gospel tracks on the back table by the sound booth. This is all my